Hi, I'm interrupting our normal flow of things to say that just after I recorded this episode, um, and I'm just now seeing this news of another school shooting, this time in Texas at Santa Fe High School, there aren't a lot of details right now, but as we dive into a conversation about tapas, uh, which is discipline, so as we dive into a conversation about discipline, maybe we can keep an open mind about our definition of discipline and perhaps our discipline is to stay informed, to stay engaged, not to let any of this feel like just another everyday thing to keep pressure on our government to do something about gun access and gun violence, and above all, to vote. Now we'll get into our regular show. Please note there will be absolutely a change in the tone of my voice. I think this stuff is really important. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today, we're going to be talking about tapas, the third of five niyamas on the eightfold path of yoga. Tapas can be translated as discipline or burning enthusiasm. This niyama helps us cultivate a sense of self-discipline, passion, sometimes courage. It's been described as kind of the fiery passion that feeds our sense of purpose. And it is the burning off of impurities, the actions one takes to burn off impurities. As a reminder, let's talk about the eight limbs of yoga super quickly. Two of them are the yamas and the niyamas. So we talked about the yamas earlier that deals with ethical standards. It's more about our outwardly facing behavior, uh, how we conduct ourselves in the world and in relationships. The niyamas focus on how you yourself are or think or behave. So it's more about self-discipline and tapas is right at the heart of things. If you remember, we've talked about saucha uh, that was... Episode 73, Sanskrit for Purity. Uh, last episode, we talked about Santosha, Sanskrit for contentment. Today, tapas, self-discipline. I usually make a joke about tiny plates of food. We'll get into later on Svadhyaya, which is self-study, and Ishvara Pranidhana, which is surrender, surrender to a higher source. The Yoga Sutras explain that through tapas, mental impurities are expunged and mastery of body, mind, and senses can be achieved. I found this great quote. Uh, One of the teachers in my yoga teacher training, prana yoga teacher training, was Dr. Jeff Migdow. He is both a medical doctor and a long, long time practitioner. Uh, He has a lot of wisdom accrued over the years. He actually lived at Kripalu back when it was an ashram 
and afterwards, I believe for 15 years. So he has seen some stuff and he's been really in it. So I found this quote from him about tapas and I think it encapsulates his experience. This is from a website called Yoga Glow back on 2013. So I'll I'll link to that so you can read the whole thing if you're interested. But here is his quote. The heat that's created by the practice does various things. It burns away karma and it gives you energy to continue practicing, but it also gives you a certain vitality. Okay, well, that sounds good. I'm signing up for the tapas train. He continues, it's literally like burning up. You feel like you're dying. The ego really resists it, but there's this fire that gets created. He says the unpleasantness in the beginning is actually how you know you're doing it right, despite the days, weeks, or months of discomfort before the heat created from the practice actually feels positive. So let me say this about that. There are a bunch of you listening who have a gut reaction to that description. Some of you are like, oh, it feels like dying. I'll pass. And then there's another group of you who say, oh, it feels like dying. Let's do that. Sometimes we are really attracted to punishing ourselves for the sake of expunging impurities. We may not offhand choose to describe our desires that way, but I do think it runs deep in a lot of our culture. Yes, let's punish and burn and be pure at the end. Let's stop eating a whole lot of foods and let's drink concoctions and bounce around on a tiny trampoline or whatever it is. As long as we sweat and burn, we must burn. And I want to talk more about this. I'm going to read you a little bit from an article. I know, I I know I'm reading you things, but there's a lot out there already. And I'm not going to just pretend I'm the only person who's ever talked about this stuff. I'm going to read you a little bit from an article that I found on yogashanti.com written by Lois Nesbitt a few years back in 09. Uh, It's still... True. So everything that's said in this article, I feel like articulates exactly what I want to get at the heart of this discussion. Here we go. Americans naturally gravitate to purity models. Our culture was founded by Puritans, after all. Note the 20th century obsession with cleanliness and germ-free homemaking, visible today in the ubiquitous hand sanitizers. We make amends for indulging in unhealthy diets with the more recent trends towards organic and raw foods and rigorous cleanses and fasts where we refuse to let anything in, a kind of spiritual anorexia. So I'm going to pause there. Okay, so you get that, right? That our culture was founded by Puritans. It does run deep in our culture, this desire to just clean things to death and to wash out any ambiguity for the sake of purity. It's something that Carol Horton talked about in our discussion about Wild Wild Country. It's something that I think holds water when you look at what the wellness world is all about. It's, you know, Soylent is a thing now. It's like, be clean, wash everything out, do a cleanse, clean your kidneys. I'm not saying... None of these things are valuable. I'm saying that we as a culture are obsessed with cleanliness in that way. So I'm going to continue on with the article here. So there's another meaning of tapas. 
as the article says, which is the friction generated by going against the grain of habit, of complacency, of doing what's easiest, and of getting away with things. Tapas is the fervor of striving to be the best you can, which may mean shifting what you do and how you do it. So if you are an intense, fiery person, the heat generated by a fiery practice like ashtanga vinyasa may not truly be tapas for you. Tapas for you might involve putting the brakes on compulsive, aggressive, ambitious behavior in all realms of your life, including what you do on the mat. Aha! Lois goes on to say, I personally, she says, she feels, personally feel intense heat during the first few minutes of meditation. Sitting still is such a challenge for me that it requires real tapas for me to stay put. Me too. Me too. David Nickturn describes the boredom that comes with meditation. If you meditate for long enough, you actually get bored. And he talks about a hot boredom and a cool boredom. And that hot boredom, that irritation is exactly, in my interpretation, those those things are the same. What Lois talks about in terms of the heat of tapas and then the hot boredom of meditation, those really dovetail together. I feel like I could just read this whole article and it's exactly what I want to say. So I will link to it in the show notes so you can take a look. But what I'm getting at here is just because something is challenging doesn't mean it's transformational. Sometimes we choose to make things harder than they need to be. I don't know why. I'll stick with puritanical baggage as my answer for this one, or an unconscious addiction to drama. Good things can sometimes be hard to accomplish, but not all challenges are automatically good. Does that make sense? Taken to the extreme, a cleanse might be challenging and beneficial, but an eating disorder is not beneficial. Training for a marathon is challenging and can lead to increased ability to focus and physical health benefits, but also sometimes to injury. Those examples aren't exactly getting there, but what I'm trying to get at is there's a huge difference between discipline and obsession, and specifically obsession based on ego. Some would say Joan of Arc, obsessed, but in a, in a good way, Einstein, Great painters, writers, inventors, religious leaders all can be described as obsessed in a good way, maybe. But what does an obsession with purity get you? Maybe it gets you purity, but maybe it gets you the handmaid's tale. I just want to be cautious here to a swath of people who may border on self-obsession and self-improvement, as I think our culture is, that the idea of tapas can be mis used and misdirected. I've been practicing yoga for 20 years. Oh yeah, let me do the happy anniversary to me. I think that's true, 20 years. I had done yoga before graduating college. Um, Some of you know this already. My dad discovered yoga when he was in his early 50s, I think, and then became a yoga teacher. And I took his classes and some classes in college as well. Hello, gym requirement. But I didn't start my own practice in earnest until after that. Anyway, I've been practicing for some time. And every few years, I'd pick up a Groupon or something and decide I should do Bikram yoga. People really seem to like it. They sweat out a lot of stuff. They're all in good shape. I should be there. For those who don't know, Bikram yoga is hot, like 100 degrees hot. 
usually some high humidity, and classes are taught with a specific set of poses. I think there are 26 poses, and there's a standard dialogue. So there's no chit-chat. There's no free-floating intuitive movement here. And Bikram-style yoga can be analogous to a certain image of tapas. When or if you start this kind of practice, ego fights tooth and nail. The practice itself is really challenging. And for some, it's unhealthy. You may feel you're burning off impurities. It's definitely fiery. Ironically, it's nothing to say of Bikram Chaudhary, who was not 100% pure. He is problematic. That is another story. But to say this style of yoga is punishing wouldn't be, I don't think, outside the realm of truth for most people. And there's nothing, don't be offended if you love hot yoga. There's nothing inherently wrong with hot yoga when it's done consciously and with awareness and intention. But that said, for a while, it was a, it was a huge trend. And a lot of people got into these classes without a solid foundation of their own anatomy. Uh, you go and you get artificially warmed up. So your muscles are warm and it's easy to stretch yourself beyond your natural capacity. And it's easy to get injured, not to mention dehydrated. So why am I talking about this? Uh, I think it's a parallel to tapas. Many of us believe that this is the, the only path, the right path towards enlightenment. But it can also be a manifestation of the things we think we need to do to achieve, to be worthy. Honestly, after 20 years, I finally went to a Bikram class and admitted to myself that I didn't like it and that it wasn't for me and that I was not any less of a yogi because that was not my path. That said, I was really attracted to the idea of it because it is punishing. And there's something about that that just exists in the world. Look, not everyone. Some people don't want to challenge themselves in that way, but I just want to bring up the idea that sometimes our attraction to a challenge is based in ego satisfaction as opposed to be based in ego eradication. I'm going to pause for a moment so we can be worthy of one another. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. If you haven't already, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox, Other. I'm just looking at my metrics. Those are the things people are listening on. Apple Podcasts first, then Overcast, then CastBox, which I had never heard of, and then Other. Please do rate and review the show. You can do that right from your Other podcasting app. You can always find our back and future episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. That's where I put the show notes as well. So anytime I mention an article, I will always link to it. The show has a presence on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution. Find us on Instagram also, and also on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r. I don't have a great smooth transition back into the show here. What are we talking about? Yes, tapas. What is our goal? Why do we do punishing things in the name of purity? What is our goal when we undertake tapas activities? Originally, classically, the goal is spiritual. 
right? The goal is to help focus ourselves on meditation, on reflection, on the disillusion of ego. So yes, that would be challenging. But there's an argument to be made that what we think of as acts of austerity may not in fact serve us. We are not ascetics, most of us. I'm assuming we do not live in a protected environment where we're undergoing physical stressors for the sake of spiritual advancement. We live in the world unprotected and our attempts to incinerate impurities and ego should be met with compassion. Otherwise it's just self-immolation. And for what purpose? Again, our attachment to The quick fix could lead us down a road where never and always are the rule. Various times in my life, I've I've gone on retreat. And yes, always on retreat, 6 a.m. yoga, always on retreat, 40-minute meditation, always mindful eating, always afternoon yoga. That is a path. And it's a beautiful one, and it's one that I adore and appreciate. And on those times of retreat, I am not at work. I am also not cooking for myself or my family. I'm not fielding questions about upcoming presentations at the office or parenting or anything. My only focus during that time is practice. And then I come home and always isn't always realistic. That doesn't mean any practice is not worthwhile if it's not always, but we live in the world and it's important to take these practices and put them into context. Many, many classical yogis did nothing else but this practice. They spent hours in quiet contemplation. They undertook austere practices. They challenged themselves by refusing food or practicing challenging postures. They also left their families and their homes to do that. We live in the world. We are already challenged. Let's look at what our chosen austerities are and what they're for. What if we go back to this idea of going against the grain, of going against what is easy and what is habitual? If we challenge our ego in that way, it's possible then that yin yoga is our tapas or sitting with oneself in meditation is our tapas. What if our tapas happens at work and at home instead of solely on the mat? I'm going to go back to that Nesbitt article for just a second here. She says, Swami Sitchitananda said that tapas is self-discipline, not self-torture, which raises the question of why you are practicing yoga at all, of intention. The Buddhists talk about right thinking and right action. Right effort is not the same as more effort. You don't become a better yogi by doing more yoga or harder yoga. You become a better yogi by raising the bar of your intention to encompass something along the lines of enabling you to better serve the greater whole. Pause for effect. Right effort is not the same as more effort. You don't become a better yogi by doing more yoga or harder yoga. I'm just saying this whole thing again. You become a better yogi by raising the bar of your intention to encompass something along the lines of enabling you to better serve the greater whole. It is not selfish. It is not about ego. It is about the greater good. So here is this question. How can we practice tapas differently? How can we practice tapas without burning ourselves out? And what do we do then with this fire in our modern world that is so filled with fire already? 
People are angry and on fire with that anger and injustice. People are self-hating and hate others. We are self-punishing and addicted to purity. Yes, tapas is discipline, but let us meet that discipline with compassion. Get clear about our goals. Why are we undertaking this act? By knowing that, instead of taking on something challenging because we think we're supposed to, knowing that intention will help us keep the fire burning. Why do you want to meditate more often? What is your goal? If you're doing it because you feel like you should, that won't be enough to keep the flame burning. Why do you want to do challenging yoga in a heated room? You may want to, and that's fine. Just look at why. Is it serving a greater good? Yes, we should challenge ourselves, but do so with intention. Do so with a greater good in mind. And challenge yourself with something that already has a spark burning inside of you, not with something you read in a magazine or on Instagram. My challenge to all of us is to know why you're keeping the fires burning. And until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day. I just can't stand myself.